Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Why don't we stand together for a moment and read our text. Brother Mesa was scheduled to speak tonight. However, he uh, got called into work, so he's unable to be with us, so you're stuck with me. We'll muddle through here. Praise God. My text tonight is Romans 10 and 17. Says that so, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I don't know of anything more powerful than the Word of God. The Word of God exists. I mean, the the earth of God exists because of the Word of God. And tonight I want to talk to you about the power of spoken words. But before we do that, I think we just need a little bit more refreshing together tonight. And And Sister Bauer sang a song before service that really touched me and I think it could bless you. So why don't we just worship just a little bit, sing sing this song. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Bauer. 
Faith comes by hearing. But if you would have stopped there, the statement wouldn't have been true. He said, faith comes by hearing. And then he talks about what you need to hear. Hearing by the word of God. So every time that we hear the word of God, whether we believe it or not, our faith is being increased. Whether it's teaching or it's preaching or it's a home Bible study or it's a Sunday school class, wherever the word of God is being shared, faith is being increased. So the power of God comes through his word, his spoken words. Psalm 22 and 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now here's what I want you to see first and foremost in this topic tonight. We invite spirits to our life by the way that we talk. For instance, we were just worshiping God, right? With words and with music. Do you know what that does? It brings the presence of God. That's what we just read. It brings the presence of God into the environment because of the words that we're singing and the praises that we're offering up to God. If the positive is true, then the negative must also be true. So the way that we speak invites either the presence of God or invites Satan into the conversation. He hates it. Satan hates it when we praise God. He hates it. Matter of fact, he'll leave you alone while you're worshiping. But as soon as you quit worshiping, he may be back. That's why it's probably a good thing to play Christian music in your home and create an atmosphere where you're either... now. For instance, it's really great to have my daughter back home and I hear her walking around the house humming. She's humming, humming songs all the time. That means that something good is going on in her life and she's, she's praising God. And that creates a positive atmosphere in your home or wherever you are that you're praising God. But if you begin to speak negatively, you invite another spirit. And that spirit will wreak havoc in your life. Matthew 9, let me give you an example of, of what I'm saying. Two blind men, this is Matthew 9, 27. When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. When he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, here's the test. He's going to test them. And here's his test. Believe ye that I'm able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. So they answered his question and said, Yes, we believe you can do this. Then it says, He touched their eyes saying, According to your faith, be it unto you, their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightway charged them, saying, See that no man know it. So he tested them. Do you believe I can do this? Yes, we do. 
Okay, then according to your faith and by the authority of my word, it will be so. And they were healed. So there has to be faith with the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. They have to interact with one another. When you pray for somebody, you may want to do the same thing that Jesus did. Well, I'm really sick. Well, do you believe that God could heal you? Ask them. Find out their faith level. And if the faith, well, he could or he might, maybe you share a testimony. Maybe you build faith through the word of God. You, you build some faith so that you can offer a prayer of faith. Remember James chapter five? And it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. So there has to be a faith level before there's words. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, so sometimes you have to build faith in people before you even pray for them. You might share a testimony, as I mentioned. You might be able to say, oh, I've seen God do all kinds of great things. He's healed cancer. He's delivered of this. And he's, what is that doing? That's building faith. Because if God has done it for them, he can do it for you. You're creating an atmosphere of faith before you bring forth the word of God. The power of words can hurt or they can help. They can tear down or they can build up. I got to thinking about this, the power of words and it used to be that about the only reason people ever got divorced was because of adultery. But today, here's what we're hearing in the courts. We're hearing about, I am verbally abused every day. And the person that says that is saying, you have attacked me with your words so consistently and fiercely that you have torn me down to the point that I don't even want to be around you anymore. And that person is really saying, your words are impacting my life. You know, you've heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. They will hurt you. They do hurt you. And, you know, I'm just going to be really transparent with you tonight and, and, and say things that if you're not aware of them, you need to be aware of them. Can I share this with you? Do you know that, especially in the case of women, they are very audible. Men are very visual. And of course, that's why you see the commercials that you see on television. But women are audible. They love to be praised and appreciated. It's, it, for instance, my wife can verify this. I said to her, honey, I really like that sweater on. Did I not say that? I complimented her on her sweater. Why? Well, two reasons. One, I like it. And number two, it's going to make her feel better about herself if I compliment her about the way she looks. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Okay, so if you know that about your wife or your friends, 
then be lavish with your compliments. If you see something you like, praise it. That's how women are led astray by other men into relationships that they shouldn't have. Because some men have picked this up and they're smooth talkers, okay? And they know the right things to say so that they can get the wrong actions. But words are powerful. Thank you for dinner tonight. Last night we had a little discussion about our dinner at the table. We're eating this soup without meat and things in it. And how do you like the soup, honey? Oh, this is great. <laughs> if the snow weren't on the ground, tomorrow I'd be on all fours grazing in the grass. <laughs> I love this. And she knows I'm lying. But it wouldn't hurt to say thank you for a meal or thanks for doing the wash or thanks. And it goes the other way too. Thanks for shoveling the sidewalk. Or You hearing what I'm saying? Words can actually build a relationship. And what you sow is what you reap. You're gonna find that if you are complimentary and, and, and kind to people, they will tend, not all of them, but most of them will tend to be kind back to you, okay? Words can start a fight. Words could end a fight. Words can build faith, but they can also bring fear. I remember when I was in high school, Khrushchev made an announcement to the United States that he would bury us. Those were his words. And because he said that he would bury us, we started building bomb shelters. Remember those days? We had drills where we climbed underneath our desks if there was an air raid, all because we were afraid of one man's words. What kept Israel behind the rocks? Goliath's words. There was no proof that he could back up what he said. It was all reputation that they knew nothing about. It's just words. And words can promote fear as well as faith. Words can express hatred or love. And sometimes we lose the victory out of our mouth. We speak fear instead of faith. And, and here's my point. Satan and God hear. Satan does not know everything. This is my opinion. But I don't believe Satan can read your mind. I don't believe he knows your thoughts. He can guess by your behavior. But I don't think he knows your thoughts. God knows even your thoughts. But Satan has to react only on what he sees or he hears from you. And if you begin to talk negatively, he will pour the gasoline on the fire. He'll keep it going. He's the one that divides. Remember the math equation that I've given you? God 
adds and multiplies and Satan is into subtraction and division. So we got to get on the side of addition and multiplication, not subtraction or division. How many of you ever heard your mother say, if you don't have anything to say, keep your mouth shut? Well, words are powerful. Take a look here at James chapter 4, verse 11. Here's a warning. It says, speak not evil one of another, brethren, for he that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now, I know that's hard to read, so so let me just tell you what I think it means. We are not to be judges of the law. We are not to judge one another. We have one judge. But we are not the judge. We are to obey the law. We are to do what God asks us to do. But we are not to judge one another. Personally, I got enough problems with Rick Kiley that I don't have to judge the rest of you. If you are perfect and qualified to be a judge, well, then you'd have that right, but you don't. You're not perfect. I hate to break it to you. I know these words hurt when I say it, but you are not perfect. So then he says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you that judges another? And we know who that lawgiver is. Look at the power of God's words and how he uses words to bring actions. In creation, if you read Genesis chapter 1, it will talk about six days of creation and it will always begin with, and God said. That's how God created. The worlds were framed by the word of God. And so, since the worlds were framed by the word of God, they are subject to anything he says. For instance, they're in a storm and they think they're going to drown. What's going what's to drown them? The water. The storm. So what does he do? He steps to the front of the boat and he says, peace, be still. And what happens? The storm quits and the water calms down. Why? Because they recognize the word of their creator and they are subject to his authority. That's how much power he has. When he said that you could speak to a mountain and tell it to be removed into the sea, he could do that. And he was saying, you could do it too if you had that kind of faith. I thought about this the other day. What if I said, you know, I'd like the Rocky Mountains to be in the Pacific Ocean. And the Smoky Mountains can go to the Atlantic Ocean. I'm going to pray that. But I'd be praying against God's will because I think he wants those mountains where they are. So he must not have been necessarily talking about a mountain in a physical sense, but maybe it's a spiritual sense. 
Maybe there are some mountains in your life that you say, I'm never going to be able to overcome this. And those are the mountains that he's talking about. Just something for you to think about. Let me give you some more examples of, of the power of, of words. Proverbs 25 and 11 says, a word that is fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. How many of you ever had somebody come up to you and say something to you that you really needed to hear and you were so glad that God used them to say it? That's a fulfillment of this verse of scripture. Sometimes a word, just a word of encouragement is all you need to get you through the day. Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Psalm 119, verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. See, even in heaven, there'll be the word of God. Now I'm gonna, I don't wanna throw your doctrine way off, but the word of God will be in heaven. And the word of God is not complete. The book of Acts is still being written. And you're a part of it. You're cha- you've got a chapter. And I don't know how long it might be. And, and, and the great things that God might be using you in. You are in the book of Acts. The book of Acts does not end with an amen. Read it. I believe the book of Acts is still being written. And you know what? I think that someday Peter's going to want to sit down and talk to you. Maybe Paul will want to sit down and talk with you. Now, well, that's my opinion. That's why I don't expect an amen. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 8. The power of spoken words. Lord, this is Matthew 8 and 8. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. We know this is the centurion. But speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. You know, I learned something. uh, By the way, I know some of you have come to us and said, hey, are you going to share things with us about Israel? Yes, we are. My wife and I are going to put together a presentation and We'll give you plenty of notice and we'll show you some pictures and some things we learned um, in Israel. But I'll give you this one little nugget tonight. Um, It was Caesarea, right? Where Herod's palace was? Does that ring a bell? We went to Caesarea on the first day and, and it was on the Mediterranean Sea. It's on the Mediterranean Sea and there's a big amphitheater. The amphitheater was built by Herod And his palace, King Herod's palace, was right next door to the amphitheater. And Herod, just for your information, was an extremely wicked and evil king. He murdered many, many people, including he murdered wives and even his own children if he became dissatisfied with them or saw them as a threat to his kingdom. And Herod also, so for him to destroy babies at the time of Jesus, they were used to that. He's just wicked. Herod 
built that palace and he, anything that Herod built had to be the best. He spared no money when he built things. And that palace was right on the Mediterranean Sea. And outside of the palace and in the Mediterranean Sea, he built these rocked-in pools for his guests of royalty. Only royalty could come to the palace. And then that became their pool in the Mediterranean Sea. It was lavish. Now, after Herod died and the Romans took over, guess who took Herod's palace? Pilate. Same house, same palace, and now the Romans were in charge and Pilate entertained people at the palace and in the pool. But you'll never guess who took the house after Pilate? The centurion. The centurion took the house after Pilate. The one we're reading about right here. The one who was a man underneath authority. And you know what he did with it? He appears, this is what our guide told us, so it's up to you whether or not you believe it. But our guide told us, he said, the man that Jesus spoke to about healing his daughter is the same centurion that appears in Acts chapter 10. They're the same man. So the palace that you're looking at once belonged to Herod, then belonged to Pilate, and then belonged to the centurion. And the pool was only used for royalty, thus fulfilling the scripture that says, since Cornelius was baptized in Jesus' name. He used it as a baptismal font for converts. He would have people over and they would be baptized in the place of royalty, thus fulfilling the scripture that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So this centurion is a very, very important character. Um, in not only this illustration, but in Acts chapter 10. So the centurion was told by Jesus that Jesus was willing to come to his house and he said, no, you don't have to. All you have to do is speak the word only. He recognized the power of the spoken word. For I am a man, this is verse nine, under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. I understand authority. Let me point this out. It's off the subject, but I think it's important to say right here. The centurion did not say, I am a man of authority. He said, I am a man under authority. The only authority that we have, even as Christians, is by being under authority. If we think that we are not under authority, we lose our authority. Remember what Brother Grant said? Never follow a person that's not under authority. Everybody needs authority in their life. I need other pastors, I need a presbyter, I need a district superintendent. We're all fallible and we all need checks and balances. But he said, I'm a man under authority. In your home, husbands, you need to be under authority so that you can be a person of authority. 
didn't get too many amens there. But there is, we need to be underneath authority. When Jesus heard what he had said, he marveled and said to him, verily I say unto you, I've not found so great faith. No, not even in Israel. So here's a Roman that understands faith. Faith and authority are connected. That's why Jesus can cast out demons because he has the authority to do so. And as a man, he is under authority. But as God, he is the authority. And so he has authority over sickness and over disease and over any problem you can come up with. He has authority. And all he has to do is speak. Psalm 107 and 20. God sent his word, his word, and he healed them and he delivered them from their destructions. How did he do that? With his word. Do you remember Matthew chapter four? The three temptations that Christ went through? How did Jesus handle the devil in that situation? That's right, somebody said it. All three times in each of the temptations, he began with, it is written. This is what the word of God has to say about this subject. And once he said that, that was the end of the temptation. If we know the word of God, and if we use the word of God in faith, if we even speak against what Satan is trying to do in our life, we have power. We have authority. And the word of God will run him off. But we need to use our authority. The authority of God's word against the enemy. Thank you. Amen. James chapter 3. Therefore, I'm wrapping up here. Therefore, we must be careful with our words. We must be careful with our words. We can misuse our authority. We can hurt people with our authority. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It is the one offensive weapon that we have been given. But we have to be careful how we use it. We don't want to butcher people with the word of God. We want people to be healed by the word of God. We want people to be saved by the word of God. We want people to be delivered by the word of God. We are not butchers. We are disciples. So James chapter 3 and verse 5 reads this way. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. It defiles the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and birds and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. 
It is an unruly, full of deadly poison. Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. And out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Mm. We have to be careful with our words. Out of, and you say, well, uh, I've, I've got a problem with the way I speak. No, as a man thinks, so he is. It starts here, it moves here, and then it comes out here. That's why Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we need to ask God on a regular basis to give us a, a clean and a pure heart. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, try the reins. God tries our hearts. And he can create in us a new and a clean heart. Let me conclude with this. Let's stand together. Psalm chapter 19. I think it's more important for us to spend some time at the altar tonight than, than spend any more time on this. I think this should be our prayer as we come to the altar tonight. Because I've got a really dangerous scripture to read to you before I read Psalm, and it's this one in Matthew 12. It says, I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. How many times have we had to go to God and ask him to forgive us or ask somebody else to forgive us for something that we've said because we are in fear of this verse of Scripture? Without the blood of Jesus and the mercy and grace of God, all of us would be lost just by the way we've talked. But if God could give us a new heart and could give us a new spirit, we could be what he wants us to be. And that is this here. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of, the, of my mouth, the meditation of my heart and mind connected together be pleasing to you. Jesus, I pray tonight that you will help us to realize the power of spoken words. The word of God and also the words that we speak. Help us to be people. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 
or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.